A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Hello. Hello, Bernie. I'm a bit scared. You are? Yes. Because I've seen the script for this episode. <laughs> I'm scared too. And I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to bore us all with it. But it's um, interesting because, you know, I've been talking about saying, I really got to find these annals of the spring and autumn period from that I know were written down, and that's where a lot of this information is, and why isn't there a book on it, and why isn't there, you know, more like secondary information, and where can I even find it in English? So I did find it in English, confusing websites, like they're scholarly, and I was able to like figure it out. It's kind of like the Babylonian Chronicles, but... You know, it could get boring. There's a lot of little things. And there's a lot of detail. And, of course, it's Chinese stuff. So it's so much different than what us Westerners are used to, just the way they think and do things. But we're going to get through it. And I appreciate the opportunity for, you know, personal growth to learn this. And we're kind of learn it together. I hope you guys will bear with me. This is the worst case of information overflow we've had and for such an ancient time. Isn't it true? I know. And especially China. We're like, we don't have anything. We don't have. Now we have this information overflow. We know a lot about the 560s BC. We do. We do. We're getting to be a lot. I mean, you always say we maybe won't be able to make it past 500, but I think we will because we'll be fine. Because that's the thing. We're going to have to learn. We're going to learn now to start like summarizing. Yes. You know, it used to be like, hey, we found out a guy got arrested for murder. Let's, you know, we'll cover that, you know, 670 BC or something. But now there's a lot of that, and we can't cover every little detail. You'd be bored anyway. So let's go to China. Let's go and do it, yeah. So so if you remember, though, I did say that I wanted to do, um, in China, now we're going to do a Lao Tzu quote from the Tao Te Ching every episode for a little bit. So you're going to have to bear with me. Can I do it? I, well, you won't be bear with me. You're going to love it, because Taoism is, is a really great philosophy, in my opinion. Can I do the quote? Please, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so this is uh, Lao Tzu from the Tao Te Ching. See, si, correct. Quote, Colors blind the eye, 
Sounds deafen the ear. Flavors numb the taste. Thoughts weaken the mind. Desires wither the heart. The master observes the world, but trusts his inner vision. He allows things to come and go. His heart is open as the sky. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. And the master doesn't necessarily mean you have to be like these, you know, Tao master. It means, you know, yourself. When you master, you know, as you work on mastering, you know, the philosophy. Basically what that means, what it means is, you know, we need space to see. You can't see if something's straight in front of your face. Silence to hear because you have to be, you know. So if your senses are cluttered with objects, they, they lose their, their acuteness. They just go away. And once the heart lets go of desires, it'll naturally just overflow with love. And so, and then observing things without judgment, whatever happens is all right. And the sky holds a lot of things like the moon, the sun, clouds, rain. And it, because it doesn't care which or when, it has room for everything. So if you could be like that, you just sort of accept things as they are. You know, most things, obviously, you know, if you have a flat tire, you have to change your tire. But like, you know, you got a flat tire, you deal with it, that kind of thing. Good work, Lao Tzu. Very helpful philosophy. Yeah, good work, Lao Tzu. I threw this little quick thing in there because this because Chinese history is based Chinese philosophy on Lao Tzu, Buddha, who we're going to talk about eventually, and um, Confucius. So there's this famous picture of Confucius, Lao Tzu, and um, the Buddha like tasting vinegar, and they all have a different expression on their face. So like Confucius has a sour expression, the Buddha has a bitter expression, and Lao Tzu has a sweet expression, which basically like sort of that's their philosophy in general, each of them. And it also could be interpreted as that's Chinese thought, those three things together. And one thing that's interesting like about it is like Chinese are not very, they're not very religious. And, and I'm going to t- tell you why right now, actually, what we think. This is kind of new in Chinese history. There's a book that came out last year, and it says that, remember I say that the, the, this is, goes along with our topic here, I, the, the rights of the Zhou, the Zhou kings, which are the official king, but then all these other states are like dukes and barons and that kind of stuff. So they're all sort of vassals, but the Zhou kingdom has really no power and it's these other states. So what they, they have all these rights of the Zhou, crazy things like music. And if, a lot of times, you know, they'll say like they met at the outside of the gates. That's because of like certain rituals and you, you can't meet a king on inside if you're only this and you have to meet outside the gates, all kinds of stuff like that. But there's this word, Mao, there's a symbol, M-A-O, Mao in Chinese, and they say it's not really used anymore and because it, it may reflect human sacrifice in the form of the Viking blood eagle. You know what that is, I think, right? Oh, yes, when you take out the lungs and hang them over their shoulders to make them wings. Nasty. Correct. So they... They may have um, been a thing during the Shang Dynasty, and that this guy wrote a book saying that that they the reason that they, they the, during the Shang Dynasty was all this kind of sacrifice, like the Aztecs. And you build a house, kill somebody. You do this, kill them. A lot of times it would be barbarians, you know, the tribal people. But then they they were just doing it to everybody. And the first king of uh, the Zhou, King Wen, he his son was killed that way, and then he thought this. He started thinking about it, and then his son overthrew the Shang and started these rites of the Zhou, and that's why they ha- they have all these rites because before they were killing people. So they, I always thought these things are weird and control issues and stuff, but now I could see why. 
And the book says that Confucius kind of figured this out, uh, that that was a thing. But he said, well, that's good. Let's just keep with these, keep with this, uh, these rites of Zhou because it's better than boiling people alive in cauldrons and doing blood eagles on them and stuff like that. Wow. So that's why we have all this weird ritual, theoretically. But most likely that is correct. So we are in the 560s in China. So human sacrifice in China. Yeah, that was a thing. But they don't that's why Chinese are not very ever since then they're they're basically they're, they're they don't have priests. You know, they don't have priests in Chinese in the in this Zhou dynasty here. There's no not like Asher, you know, during the um Assyrians how they had priests and all these priests were important and they don't have that. It's not a thing. Probably because of that sacrifice. Interesting. So, okay, so here we are in the bring an autumn period. We're still in here till like the 400s. So, like I said, the Zhou is the technically the kings, but then all these other states are subservient to them, but the Zhou has no army. And right now, basically, our last episode in China was in the 570s. We covered the Battle of Yangling, and that's Jin beat Chu in that battle. And at the time, Chu had been the hegemon um, they were the more powerful state because they had beat them in the battle, Jin in the Battle of B in the 600s. So now in the 560s, Jin has, has made a resurgence. I'm going to sort of summarize these annals and then I'm going to go through them to show you guys what's. Please do. Yeah, I'm going to summarize them first, best I can, and then I'm going to go through them because they are kind of interesting to hear what they are. But if I do every year, you could get bored after a while. So I will kind of go through year by year, but I'm going to take some stuff out. But the first year I'll do it. But anyway, some and because there's so many, like, states and things, if we covered every duke that died and every this and that, we'll go out of our minds. So in the 570s, there was a, a new duke of Jin. So, and he's very young now. So he was like 14 then. So we're in 569. So, you know, he's like, he's still young. But he is the hegemon. Uh, yes, he is. He was, you know, he was uh, born with having that. He didn't personally, he didn't, he didn't uh, do anything yet. And what's interesting is that he focuses on making peace with the wrong tribes, not the wrong W-R-O-N, it's wrong, S-R-O-N-G. He focuses on that because he says, one of his advisors says, instead of like trying to force out, you know, military, you know, military prowess and beating the other states in war, to subdue the, the barbarians, then the other princes of the other states will be awed into some. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. 
Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mission. Well, it's, it seems to be a good decision for the, the Chinese state as a whole then, to incorporate the barbarians. Yes. Yes. And the Jin are, if you ever look on a map, the Jin are on the, you know, their empire or their state, I should say, borders, then the barbarian areas. Then to the south of them is Zhou, which is the capital of the whole thing. And then to the south of that is Chu, which is, you know, so it's Jin and Chu are the big rivals here. It's kind of like Assyria and Babylonia, but, you know, one's not really ruling the other. Yep. In between them, and this whole decade here, in the next couple decades, in between them, and it's we've talked about it before, is Zheng. And Zheng used to be a really powerful state, but they're just like in the middle of these two big powers, and they're constantly going back and forth, back and forth. So, yeah, what happens this whole time is like the Chu will, Chu will kind of invade Zheng and then say, okay, you have to be our ally because we're here on your soil, and then they will, and then the Jin get mad and then invade them back. Not really to save them, just to sort of because they made a deal with them, and it gets so conf- not confusing, but it's, it it just would be boring if you did every time it flipped. But it flips a whole bunch of times, and there's a bunch of uh, incursions and wars and battles and things like that. But nothing like in this decade, nothing major. There's gonna be a whole bunch of incursions we'll go over and little battles, but nothing like the Battle of Yangling or nothing like the Battle of B. And so I get the impression that all this time we've had these big battles, these little things have been going on in between two, and then a whole thing blows up into a big battle. Yeah. So let us just start. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Oh, these chi- these antlers too, by the way, these, so you know, that's important. They come from the state of Lu. That's a small state. And that's where Confucius is from. He's from Lu. And so these antlers are they're said to be maybe written by Confucius, you know that's that's the it's kind of like the Bible's written by Moses, though, right? We don't know for sure, but conf- this is um, this is Lu. So when I say the Duke did this or the Duke did that, it's the Duke of Lu. Okay. All right. So we're gonna do go right into five sixty nine. I'm gonna do most of this and tell you what they mean. I'll go through them, then I'll tell you what they are, and then we'll go, you know, a couple years at a time. We'll go the rest of the years and see what we think. Oh, and I want to say this too. I'm gonna post this all these in my in the show notes. So you guys, if you could please, you know, if you're interested, take a look. And if you think we want to hear more, then tell me. And if you think, no, I don't want to hear like that much detail, tell me too. This won't fit in the show notes. No, I won't do it. I'll just put the link. I'll make a link. Yes. To the doc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, God, no. Woo. <laughs> 40 pages. Literally 40 pages. Okay. So 569 BC is the third year of the new Duke of Lu, right? So in the spring... And I'm not going to say all these people's names because it'll just be crazy. In the spring, Chu led a force and invaded Wu. I will tell you what that's about after we go through these. And then you'll hear, the Duke went to Jin. And then number three, in the fourth month, the Duke and the Marquis of Jin made a covenant. And then number four, the Duke came back from Jin. (laughs) So the Duke of Lu is basically kissing us in uh, Jin. Correct. 
And it's like, so they're, they're a solid ally of Jin. And Jin is the hegemon now. So the, I, I find it like, remember when we covered the Assyrians, like you had to come and check on the health of the king every so often? It's kind of like that. Hmm. Like the, and that's their intelligence too, right? Jin's, Jin needs, Jin's in charge, so they need to know what's going on. So the duke has to constantly go. And it's like every year he goes to Jin. Go to Jin. Goes to Jin. And this one I think is interesting. Number five, and I'm going to read most of it here just because I'll tell you. Okay. In the sixth month, the duke had a meeting with the Viscount of Shan, the Marquis of Jin, the Duke of Song, the Marquis of Wei, and the Earl of Zhang, the Viscount of Zhu, the Viscount of Zhu, and Guang, the heir son of Qi. And they made a covenant together at the city Ji's. And what I find interesting is all the different English titles, right? Because we're always struggling with this, like, who's the king and who's the duke? And look at these, they're even more, like a duke, a viscount, a marquis. And they're all less leaders of small Chinese states. Yeah. And obviously there must be some, like, Chinese word or symbol that we're trying to convert, you know, to translate to English. But you could see how they just have these different hierarchies. Like you say, it's better than killing people, mm-hmm. you know, human sacrifice, but... And, you know, continues. They made a summit. They had. They made a covenant. They made a covenant. And then in autumn, the duke arrived back from the meeting. And now nine, the last one, which is um, somebody from Jin led a force and invaded Zhu, which is X-U. And that's just a very small state. If even the little map that we have here in our notes, it doesn't even show up. This, they just keep invading these little small states. I'm going to explain what was kind of going on here. Because this is actually a little bit important here. The first part where it says Chu and Wu had a battle. If you remember, I mentioned that Jin had started to woo-woo, huh, right? They started to woo them to say, hey, let's let's support them. We'll make them an ally. We'll give them weapons. We'll get them all, you know, a, you know enemy of my enemy will be my friend. Because they are to the east of Chu. And they don't share a border with Jin at all. So Jin jinned up Wu <laughs> to get them against Chu. And Chu figured the only best, their best thing to do was to actually invade Wu before something happened. But it didn't go that well. And I, I did forget to mention, the, so there's the, the annals of the spring and autumn annals. And then there's this other book called the Zuan that actually describes each part of them. But they're both old. You know, like the, the Zuan came after, obviously, but... It's not like it came in the 1950s or something. It's still like ancient. So there's weird stuff, which is why um, you'll hear this is interesting. Because the Zuan says about that Wu and Chu invasion there. And Zichan is this guy's name. I'm going to say it because we mentioned him before. He's a famous general. This spring, Zichan of Chu invaded Wu with an army selected for the purpose. He subdued Juizi and proceeded as far as Mount Heng. Thence he sent... Um, one of his guys, to make an incursion into the country with 300 men wearing buff coats, lacquered as if made of strings, and 3,000 whose coats were made of silk. And I was like, what does that mean? So I asked my friend Jack in China, and he said, and I, because I thought this is what it was, that the men wearing buff coats are cavalry, and the 3,000 others whose coats were covered with silk is infantry. Mm. And I find that interesting, too, because it's really not a lot. Right? I mean, 300 cavalry and 3,000 infantry is not a huge invasion. It's just a little, you know, kind of a little battle type of thing. And later, 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 like in the Warring States period, they have these humongous armies, like a million men fighting each other. 
So this, at this point, there's still sort of small armies. So then the people of Wu, Wu intercept. They always call them the people. They'll say the people this, the people that. So Wu intercepted and attacked them. The, their commander was taken, the Chu commander. And of all the men, only 80 cavalry escaped and only 300 of the infantry. So when Zichang came back, when he got back to Chu, then Wu invaded Chu and took a city in Chu. This Zichan, he was the guy that lost the Battle of Yanling. So at this point, everybody blamed him. He became so much distressed that he fell into mental trouble and died. Oh, no. Yeah. Poor Zichan. So that meeting that they had was to talk about Zhang. Because the Zhang are saying, like, we, well, you know, we're only a small state. And, you know, we're constantly battled between Chu and Jin and, you know... We're not sure what to do, and it's, they don't really work it out at this meeting. And this whole decade, they don't really work it out. There's this back and forth, back and forth. But what it does show is that Jin is on the resurgence now, and the states are going to more ally with them instead of Chu. It must have really sucked to be a small state in China at this time because you're just like, you know? Yeah. Okay. So that was 569. So like I said, this is, this is how it kind of goes. So... I'm going to go through them, and like I said, I'm not going to be as detailed on them all because you'd be bored. And it's, it's, even if you're not bored, it'd be confusing. You can't really keep track of it. So in 568, we have the Marquis of Chen died. In the seventh month, the Duke Chang's wife, that's not Chen, Chang, the Duke's wife, the Lady C, she died. But then we have another little battle. Of course, the Duke went to Jin again. And then the last thing, number seven, a body of men from Chen laid siege to the capital of Dun. So that's another small state. Dun was one of the small states that was um, an alley of Chu. The Zuan says, The people of Chu made Dun watch for opportunities in Chen and attack it or make inroads into it. In consequence, the people of Chen laid siege to its principal city. So, see what I mean? You have all these allies, these people like... They're in the pot, or, you know, like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so they're just using their allies to fight each other. You guys with me so far? I think so. Okay, thank you, Dan. Jin versus Shu, <laughs> all the small states in between. Wu is fighting Shu as well and doing quite well with the ocean at their rear. So they can't be cornered. Correct. But Wu, but Chin has, Jin has got Wu you know, fighting against Chu, and that eventually will be, that's the biggest, all of all the things, all the battles between Chu and Jin and all the other states with Chu, having Wu as their enemy was, it will be the downfall of Chu. Bad policy. Yeah. Good for the Jin, but not the Chu. So, we go to 567. You know, the Duke came back from Jin and all that kind of stuff, and there was meetings, and they went back to Jin and all this kind of thing. And then this was interesting because it says, in autumn, there was a grand sacrifice for rain. But now we, we know that, there, so that means there was a drought going on, and we know it wasn't a human sacrifice. So I'm not really sure what they sacrificed or who they sacrificed to. I know there's Chinese gods, but they're not really, it's more like you sacrifice to heaven and the ancestors. And sacrifice would be like animals and vegetables and things like that. Mm. Number six, Chu put to death one of its great officers, Ganzi Renfu. And then, that's Chu did. 
But then in the winter, after the dew comes back, there's meetings and everything. He, the winter, it says, we went to guard Chen. So that means they sent forces from Lu to help out because they're an ally of Jin to guard Chen. <laughs> oh, good for Chen. Yeah. Because, because then after that, Chu led a force and invaded Chen. Mm-hmm. So then the Duke of Lu joined the Marquis of Jin, the Duke of Song, the Marquis of Wei, the Earls of Zheng, Kao, and Guang, in relieving Chen. So they went to battle. So you're getting the point here that there's just these like internal... Imagine every state has its own factions, right? And there's, you know, people trying to be the Duke and people trying to, you know, take over this and that. And some people want to side with Chen and some people want to side with Zhu. Chu and some people want to side with Jin, and then there'll be like, you know, um, something will ter- change there, and then the other state that they change the alliance to invades them. So basically, this is this is what it is. I, ca- I can't wait for the first emperor to unify all of China again, but that's far away in the future. Right, you're already. You didn't even get through the 560s. Holy cow! <laughs> unify China now, <laughs> please. I know. This is Game of Thrones all the time. It is. It's the Game of Thrones on steroids. You really realize then how complicated Chinese history could be. So somebody really needs to like, and it's not going to be me, you know, write a book and like really narrow this down. And I'm sure there is a book, but it's in Chinese. Probably. Yeah. So let me read what says. Let me make a quote here. This is the Zuan says, people of Chu were inquiring into the cause of the revolt of Chen. And it was said it was in consequences of exorbitant demands upon it by our chief minister. And on this, they put him to death. So that's why that guy got put to death. The words of the entry show that it was his covetousness. The superior man will say that King Gong of Chu here failed in his use of punishment. The ode, a loss ode, says, The great way is level and straight. But the Tao says the path is crooked. (laughs) (laughs) so so much stuff going on in china like that and then like as we saw that then so not just lu went to chen the other states also they received orders from jin at a meeting in chi that to gather troops and go relieve chen so jin is doing so well yeah but they're sort of swatting flies it seems right like they're they're doing well their um army is is you know more powerful and they're beating Chu, and they're, it's not really just their army. It has to be how they get the other states to back them, and that's kind of the whole. It's so much diplomacy, intrigue, and then actual wars. Yeah, there is um, a sense of civilization, really, that this is an ordered system, and you don't get total annihilation of anything. Yeah, right? Don't you? Even like we said, with the even back to that first um, part where they, it was just kind of a small army. Yeah. Right? It was like 300 cavalry and 3,000, you know, infantry. And that's the whole army. And these aren't small, you know, these aren't like little tiny places. Um, let's see what else we got. So we're on to 566. All right. The Duke of Chi died. That's the first thing that happened. And then there was a fugitive from Song came to Lu. And we'll see what that's about. And then this other small state, Ju, J-U, extinguished another state, Zhang. This is not Zhang, this is Zhang, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
you're getting the point here now that maybe there's too much detail. All right. But they got rid of this state, so there's one less state now. Yeah. Good. And you know, I'll look it up and we'll take it again on the next episode I do in China. But there's like between a certain period, like Jin eliminated this many states, Chu eliminated this many states. Like eventually they just keep eliminating these small states and gobbling them up. Maybe they will end up with three kingdoms at the end. Maybe. The tale of there'll be a tale of it. There's another small one goes too. So after Zhang, and then in the twelfth month, so the last month of the year, the Marquis of Qi extinguished Lai, L-A-I. So that's now Qi's a bigger state, and it extinguished Lai. Oh, less states. I like it. Love it. I know. It makes it a lot easier. You know, we don't need to know every detail, I don't think, of every one of those things. Now we see the general tendencies. Yeah. I'll kind of quickly go through these, I think, then, and then we'll just discuss it, you and me, at the end. So we'll get through it quicker, I think. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Even just doing this now, you realize, like, yeah, we don't want to hear all this. But these are cool, though. Some of these are, like, interesting. I love the locusts in 565. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I kept at it. You know, like, yeah, in the eighth month, there were locusts. That sucks. You know, we've always been dealing... Man, did you, I'm sorry, a little aside, but I saw this thing with this, like, flock of locusts. Like, it was a huge swath of them. Like, there's, like, I think a trillion of them or something. It's unbelievable. Oh, my God. So, and that's, like, recent. So, now we've another one. Chu again led a force and besieged the capital of Chen. You see? So, they're still fighting against Chen. They must have to, like, just put armies together of... You know, not like in the warring states, you'll see these huge armies, like I said. But here they must just, you know, be more like fighting men and get as, who they can get. Yep. Barbarians, the whole bit. 565, King, of course, the Duke goes to Jin again. And then, this was interesting, a body of men from Zheng, which is like that small state that's always getting their butts kicked. They made an incursion into Kai, C-A-I, and captured the Duke's son. This is also interesting. So now... A body of men from Ju, J-U, invaded our eastern borders, meaning Lu. So Ju invaded Lu. No. <laughs> but it's like, it doesn't seem like a major invasion, you know? It's just sort of like these incursions and, you know, let's see what we can get. There seems to be a lot of violent people with too much free time. It must be. Just must be. And then in the winter, uh, Chu led a force and invaded Zheng. See, because what happened when Zhang invaded Kai, that was something because Jin and they said, all right, you're going to invade Kai, which is an you know, ally of Chu. And so then Chu came back and invaded Zhang. Chu is running short on allies. Yes. And they have that on their flank, on their eastern flank, they have Wu. Let me read this part too, because this is, uh, this is like what we kind of said. The Zuan says, blah, 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 these people made an incursion into Kai and they captured its minister of war the duke's son. People of Zhang were all glad, with the single exception of Zichan. That's not the same guy, it's a different guy, Zichan, who said, there can be no greater misfortune to a small state than to have success in war while there is no virtue in its civil administration. When the people of Chu come to punish us for this exploit, we must yield to their demands. Yielding to Chu, the army of Jin is sure to come upon us. Both Jin and Chu will attack Zheng, which within four or five years will have no quiet. So that's one faction, which seems correct, right? And then his father, it's always the father yelling at the son, said to him, What do you know? The expedition was about a great commission of the state, conducted by its chief minister, 
If a boy like you talk about it so, you will get into disgrace. So you see the kid is saying, like, that wasn't a good idea. And they're, you know, and then the father's saying, no, you know, be honor your leaders and it was an honorable battle and that kind of thing. As you as we said and you said, you could see there's just all kinds of stuff. So let's just go through a couple more years and get some of the interesting ones. This is five sixty four. In the spring there was a fire in song, and it was the capital and it was a bad one. And there's a whole story about how they had to put out the fires and stuff like that. So it was the capital song burned down. As far as we know, it wasn't like a planned thing or anything like that. It was just you know, burned down. And then the people in Lou, they it made the people of Lou uh, do some more fire safety <laughs> type of things. Good. Get a fire department together. They made it. There's another covenant. Like a bunch of people got together, a bunch of those guys but from before got together, and they made another covenant. And then Chu invaded Zhang. Like they said they would. <laughs> right? Like they said they would. Yes, exactly. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey. I'm going to just go to the next year, which is 563. And what happens here? The fifth month, Jin left the meeting, and they went on to extinguish another small state called Biang. And then Chu and Zhang, because now they're Chu forced Zhang to be their ally, they led a force and invaded Song. And next... This is all one year. The army of Jin invaded Qin. Jin invaded Qin. Q-I-N. And another battle. A body of men from Zhu invaded Lu again, our eastern borders. So I think you're getting the point here. Oh, this is great. In winter, some ruffians killed these two people and the Ganjinzi of Zheng. Some ruffians. Interesting. Right? And then they, now it says, we sent troops to guard Hualo, which is another city in another state, because obviously Jin told them they had to do it. And then uh, this other general from Chu led a force to relieve Zheng. So it's like I said, it's just all this battling back and forth. And, you know, if you guys want to really take a read of it, I will give you the link. But if you look at this uh, main character, Duke, then the Duke of Lu. Yes. It seems that trouble with Zhu as they are this aggressive neighbor that invades them. But yes. the ruler of you is also in the Jin Alliance. So they seem to sort it out pretty quickly. Yeah. Next month, he's meeting with the Viscount of Jew at the Jin meeting. Yeah, they must just take war as being like a normal thing. And as you said, it's probably very small-scale wars. Yeah, I think that's what it is. But I don't think it's like... I mean, I don't think, and you probably would, I think you would agree, I don't think it's like raiders. You know, it's not like Vikings are just like, well, you know, they're not really our, I'm not really the king of those guys. I don't think that's what it is. Something. No. Okay, we're, we're up to 562 now. And now they're getting closer to some more war. I think in the 550s we have some bigger battles. Uh, we could surprise, right, with all this stuff happening. 
in the 11th year of the Duke, which is 562, the first month, we formed three armies. So now they're getting ready for more war. Then Zhang made another incursion into Song. So Zhang is still on the, in, the, in the Chu column right now if they're invading Song. So guess what happened next? A bunch of the, all the G, um, I'm sorry, all the Jin allies invaded Zhang again, again. As the people in Zhang said. Yeah, exactly. They must be like, they must be sort of also like, um, like the season of war, you know? Because it doesn't seem like they camp and have these wars for months and months. Because then you'll obviously see, the Duke came back, the Duke came back from the war, the Duke came back from the war. It's the summer season war. Pretty much, but it's a whole year because now the last, I'm going to skip a bunch of them. The last one, 11, in winter, a body of men from Chin invaded Jin. All right. <laughs> and the names is hard. Maybe it would be easier for us if it was like, and then Babylonia invaded Assyria, but it's like Chin invaded Jin and Wu and Chu. Uh, they need longer names. Seriously. Maybe, I mean, if they were Egyptian names, it'd be done. You'd be doing all the names. <laughs> for sure. So... We're in 561. In the spring, a body of men from Jew again invaded our eastern borders, and then they laid siege to the city of Tai, T-A-I. Then their general led a force and relieved Tai, and then went on later and invaded another city called Yun in Jew. So Jew came in again, a little more heavy this time, uh, assaulted a city. They, they laid siege. They relieved it. And then they went on to um, enter their territory. And then in that same year also, now remember Zhang was constantly making these incursions into Song. Now Chu brought their own troops and made also made an incursion into Chang, Song. And at the end of the year, the Duke went back to Jin. <laughs> I, I hope he has a house there. Honest to God. I hope he does too. Maybe he has a girlfriend there. All right, you ready for the last one? And then we'll just talk about this whole thing, and then that'll be that for China. Yeah, 560, hit me. 560 is a small one. We'll do the whole thing. In his 13th year in spring, the Duke arrived from Jin. In summer, we took Xi, and that's another small state. In autumn of the ninth month, Shen, the Viscount of Chu, died. And then in winter, we walled... Fang, which means they walled up one of their cities. Oh, but Lu is growing now with this addition of the state of uh, yeah. Qi. Yes. And this is and Confucius is going to about to be born into this. He's born in like the 550s. So Confucius, born in Lu, is born into this chaos. So maybe that's good that we sort of went through like this chaotic episode. We didn't read 40 pages, but these people are living through this chaos. It still seems to me like quite ordered chaos. Yeah. Like there is there is a sense of ritual over everything. Yeah, you're right. So we have the competition for the hegemonship between Chu and Jin, and Jin is clearly winning right now. Yes, they are. But Chu is putting up a good fight. They are constantly. And they have that they have Wu on their flanks. I love the name of the 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 leader of Chu, King Gon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's awesome. It's like King Kong, right? But it's King Gong. But he dies now in 560. King Gong of Chu dies. And his replacement is King Kang. <laughs> King Kang of Chu. That's great. I can't. It's so difficult. It really is. 
And so this guy, King, this was kind of interesting too. So this King Gong, he was the king in um, 590, he became king, and that's when Chu was strong. But then he lost that battle because he was, you know, the king at the time when he lost to Jin in the Battle of Yanling, which we did in the 570s last year. So then I like this part because we talked about something like this before. In 560, when he was dying from an illness, he brought his ministers together and he requested that he wanted his posthumous title to be Ling or Li, expressing his shame for losing the Battle of Yanling and um, causing disgrace for the nation. So that's like you said, it's all this formality. They're even so formal as like, okay, I'm dying. I'm a big loser. Please call me Ling. And if you're, the reason I thought it was funny, kind of, is because you remember that story where the guy was hanging and he said, oh, we're going to call him Ling. And he's like, what? And he went and closed his eyes until they, called, <laughs> until they changed it. So this guy actually on his deathbed said, no, I want you to call me Ling. So they, the ministers said, okay. But instead, on his death, they gave him the title Gong, which means humbly reverent. So he wanted to be King Fool, but he was King Humble. Exactly. Okay, makes sense. He was, he was fairly humble, then. He acknowledged his defeat. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, yeah. And, and, you know, like we say, they say maybe Confucius wrote this or one of Confucius's things. So this could be that kind of thing where they're just constantly showing how, you know, how moral these people were. You know, this guy was so moral that he knew he was, a, you know, he caused disgrace. So he will, you know, even on his deathbed and go down in history as being a fool. Yeah, I wrote this. Could you imagine Asher Banapal on his deathbed saying, you know, I wasn't that great. You know what? Why you call me Asher Banapal the fool? That wouldn't happen. Never happen, which is what's so interesting, the difference between Chinese history and this, uh, this Western history. Well, yes, it, it is different. And I long for the time when we can connect the dots here. But China is uh, far away from everything else. Yeah. And in a sense, it's the, uh, yeah, the, the middle of the world. This is the most populous area still. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really just so different. And it's, I mean, the only thing we have is like those steppe tribes that would have contact with them. But they're so far away. By the time I think it gets a lot, you know, by the time it gets to the West, it's so diffused. I don't think, obviously, there's exchanges of information and things, but it takes so long. I mean, you don't know about the Greeks, know about the Buddha until way longer and stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's our episode on China. I am going to put this all in the notes, just a link. And, um, like, don't worry, Dan, there's nothing um, copyrighted in there. And you guys can take a look at it. And imagine if we had done all of this, it would have been oh. eight episodes. Yeah, so you wrote We got it down to one, one <laughs> a long one. Yes, we got it down to one. And, um, and, you know, as I go through these and learn that maybe if I find something that we missed, like, serious in past years, because I, I found it in here, I'll... I'll bring it up, but I, I'm, we're not going to have to go through like every detail like this again. But I will, the cool stuff I'll show you guys. But please do. I think we got a good picture of uh, yeah. what's going on. Yeah, I think we do. I think the basic, if you were to do, put a bottom line to it, is like just organized chaos, like you said. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we might be talking about the Buddha soon if we haven't already, right? I will uh, go into every detail I can find about the historical facts about Siddhartha Gautama. And I will not skip anything. Amazing. So there will be two episodes on the Buddha. Okay. And I will try not to talk about Buddhism. Okay. But only about the historical person Siddhartha Gautama. 
Isn't it amazing that you're going to have the birth of Lao Tzu, the birth of Confucius, and the time and birth, Lao Tzu, Confucius, and Buddha all around the same time? Yeah, that's amazing. Right? And also the Jews in Babylon formulating the religion. Yeah, you're right. And then we have the we don't have Socrates yet, but we have the pre-Socratics, which are, you know, so the basis of a lot of our modern philosophies and the way the world is, is was really formed around this time right now. And that's why I keep saying that uh, the 6th century BC is a formative period of world history. Yeah, definitely. So much going on today is based on things that happened at this time. Yeah, amazingly. There's like a BBC I saw. There's a BBC story. She's she's really good. It's a documentary about and it's I think it's a Confucius, Buddha and Socrates and they talk about how this time just like you just said. So check that out too. Let's do the Buddha. Okay, let's do the Buddha next time. Check out our Patreon, check out our Facebook. Send me messages. I appreciate it when you do. Yeah, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Speak to you next time. You too. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.